what's up everybody welcome back to baseball connection so jumping right back into playoff action the rangers have swept the orioles so the rangers won seven to one in their home game and they're going to move on to the next round the astros beat the twins 9-1 they're calling it the minnesota melee astros were four home runs in game three and they're on the doorstep of their seventh straight ALCS. But let's go back a day because we did miss a day and it was an exciting day on Monday with the National League Division Series where the Atlanta Braves tied the series 1-1 and then the Arizona Diamondbacks took a 2-0 series lead. They beat the Dodgers in game two. So that break, that Phillies-Braves game, that first one, outstanding baseball. Outstanding baseball from start to finish. Phillies get out to an early lead and it looks like they're gonna have it. And then all of a sudden late in the game, it gets much closer. Austin Riley ends up hitting a huge home run, a one-handed home run, pretty much when you see the replay, a go-ahead two-run bomb, and that ends up being the deciding factor. And late in the game, the last play of the game was a diving catch. So Bryce Harper's on first base, okay? And then you see Michael ha Nick Castellanos hits a, hits a drive to right center field, and Michael Harris, second, goes out, makes a leaping catch at the wall, and then he throws to first base to double up Bryce Harper, who was running on the pitch because, I mean, heck, it looked like that ball was going to go down for sure. I mean, Harper was the tying run on first base, and he was running, thinking that that ball was definitely going to be down no way it'd be caught, and then Michael Harris does what he does. He's out there playing outstanding defense, tracks it down, and then doubles up Harper to end the game. So an electric end to the game on Monday for the Atlanta Braves, and they avert disaster because they were just moments away from losing this game, having an 0-2 deficit to overcome going back to Philadelphia. But now it's a 1-1 series tie, and, you know, it's it's anyone's series again. So it goes to Philadelphia for Game 3 on Wednesday. That's going to be a good one, of course. All these, all these games, especially these National League games, have been exciting so far especially that Phillies the Phillies Braves have been the best series so far absolutely the Dodgers end up losing and they're in an 0-2 hole they're actually in an 0-2 hole here Arizona beat them by a score of 4-2 you know we talked about this a few days ago the problem for the, with the Dodgers is that they're thin on pitching and Arizona has exposed that in a big way Zach Gallon was on the mount for the D-backs and the Dodgers couldn't really figure him out for the most part I mean Gallon was Pretty solid, five and a third, two earned runs. The bullpen locked it down after that, but the Dodgers' offense is struggling. J.D. Martinez did go two for three with a home run, but outside of him, no one else had multiple hits. Uh, the only other RBI was Kike Hernandez. I mean, this offense is going to have to get going because they're not going to pitch their way to victory. They're going to have to have one of those big wins, you know, put up eight runs, ten runs. That's what the Dodgers are going to have to do throughout this playoffs. But now they're facing the D-backs with their backs against the wall, no pun intended, and it goes to game three in Arizona. So the Dodgers are giving the ball to Lance Lynn in game three because who else are they going to give it to, right? You know, the ball to Lance Lynn versus Brandon Fott, who doesn't have good numbers at all this postseason, but, you know, what does that really mean? It's been one, one start. So <laughs> for him this postseason, I mean, on the year, you know, Brandon Fott, Pitched to a 5.7 ERA, so very hittable, nonetheless. Um, hittable in the postseason, hittable in the regular season. So this is definitely someone the Dodgers lineup 
can and has to feast on if they want to extend their season because it's, it's win or go home. Lance Lynn, veteran, he's pitched on the biggest of stages. He's done this many, many times. So he's going to try to right that ship. So uh, moving to, you know, like I said, Astros beat up on the Twins, you know, four home runs in game three. And now they're just one win away from ALCS. Texas is already in the ALCS. So if Houston wins on Thursday, I'm sorry. No, if Houston wins, they're, oh, they play back-to-back days. I'm sorry. If Houston wins on Wednesday, they will set up a lone star series between them and the Rangers. That'd be pretty interesting. You know, I'm sure the players like that. Minimal travel between Houston and Dallas for what's a seven-game series. So that's going to be interesting if it happens. But we're about to find out. So in some non-playoff news, there was some breaking news around the baseball world, which has been the buzz of baseball the past couple past day, really. News coming out of Japan that the top Japanese power hitting prospect is going to forego the MPB draft. MPB is Nippon Professional Baseball. And he's gonna attend a US university with his eyes on entering the MLB draft and making it to professional ball in the US that way. So this broke just the other day, but Hanakami Higashi High School is the same high school that Shohei Otani went to, Yusei Kikuchi went to. And now there is another player by the name of Rintaro Sasaki. So he's a power hitting phenom. He has the record for the most high school home runs in Japanese history. He hit 140 home runs in his high school career. He's six foot 250. He's a big guy. They call him the Japanese Prince Fielder. And scouts are saying he has 70 raw grade power on the 2080 scale that translates to you know 30 plus home runs a year i mean that would that would actually give him the best power tool in the minor leagues today and he's known for his home runs but he's made it clear that you know his team's success came before any personal accolades but let's let's be real here (laughs) that's just him saying what he needs to say yeah reports are that vanderbilt in california that's uc berkeley are interested and of course, these are the top or two of the top programs in college baseball. And he's looking at Division I schools. It's also interesting because if his goal is really to get to pro ball sooner, why is he considering Division I schools? If he really just wants to get to pro ball sooner, he can go to a junior college and be eligible after just one year at the junior college. And because it's already the middle of the school year, the school year has begun for all colleges in the U.S., He would not be looking to enter for the spring of 2024, but the spring of 2025. So how much time is he really saving here? So let's say he gets to the U.S. to play his first season spring of 2025. He would have to play three seasons at the Division I level before he's eligible for the draft. So he doesn't go in 2024, 2025. So that means he's eligible for the MLB draft in 2027. So... After he's eligible for the MLB draft, then of course he gets signed and has to make his way up through the minors. You know, if he stays in Japan, he would have to stay with the Japanese club for, let's say, about for about nine seasons, minus one or two sometimes when they make an exception. And then he can go straight to the major leagues because guys that are that good don't really spend any time in the minors at all. We're talking Shohei Otani, Seiya Suzuki, guys like that. They come straight to the major, major league. They don't go to the minors. So... 
if he goes to Japan right now, he's the number one pick in Japan. He's making good money in Japan. Number one pick. He's going to get endorsements and everything. Does it really hurt him that much to wait until he's 26 to come to the major leagues? Because if he goes the route that he's talking about right now, he's not going to be eligible for the draft until he's 22 anyway. He has to make it through the minor league. So let's say he spends two years in the minors. Now he's 24, so he's really just saving two years. I don't know. Maybe it is worth it. We'll find out more. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, of course, like going to college baseball at a place like Vanderbilt obviously is an experience in and of itself. And that would maybe ease the transition because so far he's only faced mid-80s pitching at the high school level in Japan. And then going to NCAA Division One is obviously a, a nice intermediate step for pro ball. So that's going to be interesting. And also my question is, I don't know how, I mean, I've heard that this has happened before. Someone at the University of Oregon did this just the other year. They they were at uh, junior college and transferred to Oregon. But is Rintaro Sasaki fluent at English? Is he a fluent English speaker? Because a school like Vanderbilt or UC Berkeley, these are two top academic institutions. You know, what kind of programs do they have for people who, may not be fluent in English. I don't know, is he, if he is or not, but it's a very valid question to ask because these are not cakewalk schools academically. They don't necessarily water things down for athletes, so it's a fair question to ask. Oh, that's a fascinating story. I always like to hear stories like this when people are able to take their own career into their hands and kind of kind of try to pave their own way. You know, Bryce Harper did something like this when he enrolled in junior college for a year after high school just to get to the big leagues a little bit faster, but you know, we'll see what what this all means and how it plays out over the next few months. But this is a big name we should all get accustomed to, Rintaro Sasaki. So that's going to do it for today, folks. If you enjoyed this, please share with someone who'd be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.